This is Employment Law with Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Good afternoon. I'm Ian Grant across Ontario on a beautiful fall Sunday afternoon. Happy Thanksgiving uh, long weekend to all our listeners. This is Employment Law on the Bell Talk Radio Network. And as always, we are delighted to have Canada's top and most winning employment lawyer taking your calls. You can offer the best employment law advice available in the country. Howard Levitt taking your calls this hour. Levitt LLP, the most experienced employment law practice in Canada. Howard, good afternoon. Welcome in. Ian, thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. It is great to have you here. Now, for our listeners out there, let's make sure you understand the opportunity being presented this hour. All you have to do is give us a call with your employment law questions, and Howard is at the other end of that line talking directly to you. The number 877-518-5151, locally 416-872-1010. And as you said, Howard, there's probably a good chance there isn't a list out there that doesn't have an employment law question of some type? Well, everybody virtually is an employee or an employer, even if they think there's something else, because there's all other kinds of categories. But those categories legally, like independent contractors, almost don't exist Hmm. when it actually gets to a judge, or Revenue Canada for that matter, to decide if the person's really an independent contractor or an employee. If you're an employer, you're almost certain to have some problem with some employee, maybe 50 problems with 50 employees. And you want to know what the answer is. And you don't know yourself. You don't have the resources. You don't have the legal advice that can answer the question proactively. It doesn't tell you just spend lots of money. Because, of course, you can solve anything with money. But there's usually much better ways that don't cost very much money. And if you're an employee, you're probably having some issue. Or you just want to know, what would I get if I got fired? Yeah. Because you might get fired through no fault of your own. Absolutely. Through a bit of serendipity or just downsizing the economy. And we've been doing this show for a couple of years, and especially, it seems, in the last few months, the independent contractor question keeps being raised by people unsure of their status, and almost invariably, the answer is, you're an employee. They sign invo- They send in invoices, they sign a contract saying they're an independent contractor, they want to be an independent contractor until they're fired, and 90, about 95% of the time, maybe a little more, they're not independent contractors at all. Right. Everybody finds it beneficial to call them independent contractors. The employer gets a bit of a deal. The employee gets to deduct expenses, which are, of course, fictitious. It doesn't have to pay income tax. As quick, it doesn't get it deducted. pays it on a basis that isn't actually legally appropriate. So they call themselves independent contractors. Everybody gets away with the scam until, of course... They don't. That's right. And then it's trouble for everyone. 416-872-1010-877-518-5151 are the numbers to call. And uh, this is a good time to get that call in. As usually happens, we get more and more calls as the show progresses. So if you have a question, call us now. Before we get to the calls, which have started coming in, Howard, um, let's talk about your tip of the week. My tip of the week is for, is for employees this week. And this is as follows. When an employer fires someone, they reserve money. It may not be the amount of money they've offered. It's usually a little more, but they reserve money. If the employee does nothing, the employer will assume their offer will be accepted, even if it's not accepted immediately, or the employee is prepared to walk away with nothing. And suddenly that money has been reserved, finds other more convenient places. (laughs) And then when the employee sues, the employer is much more resistant because the money to pay it isn't reserved anymore. The tip of the week is this, if you're an employee, don't wait. Take action immediately. 
If you don't, it's going to be a much harder fight. Mm-hmm. First of all, because the money's not reserved anymore. And secondly, because the employer thinks you're not very serious or you would have moved faster. That someone's talked you into it, but your heart's not in it. You're reluctant. And i got to tell you, as a lawyer, when I act for an employer, an employee waits 6, 12, 23 and a half months to sue, in other words, just before the limitation period of two years, they're not serious. They could be scared off easily. So don't wait around. Because the limitation period is two years doesn't mean you should wait two years. Move quickly with your rights. And similarly, if you've been constructively dismissed, in other words, if your terms of employment have been changed, you've been demoted, you've been transferred, you've been moved to another location, you've been abused at work, if you don't move quickly, you have no rights at all, because that's called condemnation. If there's been a constructive dismissal and you don't act pretty quickly on your rights, I mean sometimes within a couple of weeks, the courts will say, you've accepted the new regime. Mm-hmm. You've accepted the new terms. You've accepted the demotion. You've accepted the salary cut. And it's too late to sue later on. And we've had so callers with for that. For all these yeah. reasons, move quickly. Don't wait around and think about it. Lena, we will get to your call. I want to get one thing in quickly because it is something that also comes up a lot with uh, callers, which is when they say on the, on the, the, you know, you open the manila envelope and right there on the bottom of the form that you're asked to sign, it says this has to be signed by, you know, 12 p.m. On, on Friday. How serious is that deadline? Oh, it's not serious at all. In fact, when an employee comes to me and we, su- and we decide to sue because the money isn't enough, and then, of course, the deadline's four days away, let's say, and on day four, the employee is clamoring, that letter hasn't gone out yet, that letter, you've got to get moved quick, the deadline's tomorrow, or their deadline's today. I say, wait a minute, you're not accepting the offer. Hmm. So what do you care about the deadline? And furthermore, strategically, I let the deadline pass almost every time as a matter of purposeful intent. I want the employee and the employer to know it's particularly the employer, but I want mm-hmm. the employee to understand what we're doing. By not meeting their deadline, we're saying to the employer, you're not in control anymore. We don't care about your deadlines. That's psychologically a very powerful point to make. So don't worry about the deadlines. If they're prepared to offer you six months' pay, let's say, and the deadline passed, they're still prepared to pay you six months' pay. They're offering you six months' pay because they know they owe it to you mm-hmm. or maybe much more than that. Deadlines are almost always irrelevant. 416-872-1010 locally is the number. Toll free across Ontario, 1-877-518-5151. Howard, let's get to the phone. Start with uh, Lena in Mississauga, who has a very uh, common problem, unfortunately. Lena, good afternoon. Welcome in. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, hi, David. I, I just have a question. I want pressure from my, from my union to resign quickly, and they give me the deadline. Uh, before 3 o'clock, and otherwise I will get no reference. I was working 14 years uh, with this uh, employer, and they asked me, like, after that, I uh, have problems with the, of one of, of the colleagues, like, uh, two years ago, and I tried to solve it as much as I could, but they, they, they are writing things against me. Then the union wasn't standing beside me, and they they never did anything like to support me, and uh, I just uh, have a question. They 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 pressure me that to resign or I will get uh, with the resign I will get uh, like a, a reference letter or I will get nothing. Uh, other option I will be fired and I will get nothing. 
then and uh, she she asked me like to resign before three o'clock. She was she called me like uh, uh, one one o'clock and. Uh, it was like really like uh, by the time I reached home, it was I I I have to I read the email and I I said okay I I and she said the time is is uh, racing and against you you have to. Okay, Lena, hang on a sec. Let, let Howard speak here, Howard. Okay, you say she. This is the union was pressuring you to resign. Yeah, I, I just like I I just under pressure. I, I so you I resigned. Didn't, didn't I didn't. They resigned. Then after Lena, hours, did you resign? Lena, Lena, Lena. I did is wrong. Good grief, uh, Lena. Did you resign, Lena? Hang on a minute, please. Sorry. Did you resign? Yeah, I emailed resign, but after that, a few hours, I I just thought about it. I said, you know, if I, with with this, I will not get nothing. And the other option, I I, I can withdraw my resign. I sent an email to withdraw my resign. Okay, Do I have now, like uh, I have legally the, the right the, to withdraw Lina? my resign? Lena, you gotta you gotta give Howard a chance to answer your questions Sorry, or ask I questions. Did they yeah. offer you severance pay in return for resigning? Uh, sorry, can you say it again? Did you get any money, any severance for resigning? No, I didn't get any. You got nothing. Okay. Well, let me start anything. with this like, unhappy just... fact. You are represented by a trade union. You basically have no rights anyway. Hmm. If you had not done what they said, and you'd have obviously been fired, if they're telling you to resign, obviously the ultimatum is that you'll be fired otherwise, quite apart from the reference, then the union is really telling you they're not going to grieve on your behalf and you would have got nothing. So you're really under a terrible situation because if you're an employee who's unionized, you cannot go to a lawyer and sue for wrongful dismissal. In fact, wrongful dismissal doesn't even apply. And if the union doesn't act for you, the chance of going to the labor board, which is your only recourse to go against the union to force them to take your case, the statistical probabilities of that being successful is less than one in a hundred under a study that's been conducted of cases against unions. Mm-hmm. So you really have no recourse. And if you don't do what the union tells you to do, and sometimes you get lawyers threatening to sue the union, and that might get the union to, to move. I've done that on occasion for employees. But generally, you're resourceless and recourseless. You have no real prospects of success. So I can't tell you in your circumstances, you've already resigned, you're only, and you, you try to withdraw it, the real, realistic prospect is of the union then turning around and grieving for you is less is probably less than none. Sorry, Lena. So, yeah, I can't help you, Lena, because it's too late and because you're represented by a union. If you were not represented by a union and the employer said this, it's a whole different story. Yeah. Because first of all, a forced resignation is not a resignation at all. So you could sue for wrongful dismissal anyway. Got to take a break, and uh, we'll pick this up on the other okay. side. You're listening to Employment Law on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Lines open this afternoon, 416-872-1010. Across Ontario, 877-518-5151. He is internationally recognized as the leader in the area of employment law and wrongful dismissal. Howard Levitt, the most experienced labor lawyer in Canada, taking your calls this hour right here. You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt. On the Bell Talk Radio Network. And we are across Ontario this afternoon. I'm Ian Grant. Thank you for joining us. 
AM 800, CKLW, the information station in Windsor. News Talk 1290, CJBK in London, in-depth radio, News Talk 1010 in Toronto, and News Talk 610, CKTB in St. Catharines. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Internationally recognized, he is the leader in the area of employment law and wrongful dismissal in Canada. Howard Levitt taking your calls this hour, toll-free across Ontario, 877-518-5151. Locally here, 416-872-1010. Howard, the caller we just had, Lena, just before the break, it sure helped illustrate the difference between the protections afforded to a union and a non-union employee. It's defenseless. Against the union's predations, that's the reality of it. And they could have pressured into an entirely unreasonable situation legally in the sense she's without recourse. There's a technical uh, defense, a uh, complaint to the Labor Relations Board. If a union seemed to be acting arbitrary, discriminatory, or in bad faith, use the language of the Labor Relations Act. But in fact, statistically, the chance of the success is less than one in 100. Yet, if she's forced to resign in a non-union situation, it's considered a dismissal. When you're told resign or you're fired, that is legally a dismissal. The other thing is, even if she genuinely resigned without being pressured into it, the employer accepts it with alacrity. The courts allow her a reasonable cooling-off period. So an employee who resigns in the heat of anger can come back to the employer a few days later, not much more than that, but within a few days, Mm. and say, I reconsidered, I want my job back, I acted tempestuously, I acted irrationally, I acted in anger. I don't intend to resign. I don't want to resign. And if they do that, it doesn't matter that the employer's already accepted the resignation. Legally, they're still employed. Wow. If the employer won't let them return to work, then they've wrongfully dismissed them at that point. So the employee has a lot of protections in a non-union context and almost no protections in a union context. People think somehow a union's given protection. The reality is almost the opposite. So somebody on Friday that walked into their boss's office and said, you can't uh, fire me, I quit, and walked out, they may not have quit yet. Well, they'd quit, but they can come back on Monday right. and withdraw that resignation. Resile mm-hmm. Sober second own. thought. That's Act. obviously yes, not exactly. something that she has available to her. Thank no, you for your call. being in a union regime. Yeah. 877-518-5151, locally 416-872-1010. David is in Toronto this afternoon. Hello, David. Good day. How are you today? Good, David. How are you doing? I'm very good, Howard. Thanks. How can we help you? Uh, I just... I just recently turned 65 a few months ago. Uh, nothing has been formally said to me, but I know I'm being kind of pushed towards uh, the big uh, retirement type of deal. Uh, By the way, there is no such thing as retirement anymore in Ontario. <laughs> well, that's why I'm talking to you, I guess. I know there was a, a, a similar call last week, and unfortunately, I only caught a tail end of it. And uh, uh, that's why I thought I'd be... Uh, well, we do have the Internet. You can listen to the whole show again, but go on. Okay. Um, essentially, uh, my manager this year uh, has not, for the first time, presented me with a review. While all of the other uh, direct reports have already had their reviews and their increases. And that was several months ago, so I know there's not one coming. It's just another, um, another little indication to me that they're kind of asking me to leave without formally doing so. So uh, my question, I guess, at this point, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 66 at this point now. Uh, I've been with them 13 years. Uh, I am a project manager. I have no direct support, uh, subordinates reporting to me, but 
I do an awful lot of training and such with the, the management team in the company. Uh, I do a lot of analysis and I do uh, that kind of thing for them. Um, my my total compensation package is about ninety five k. Well, you know the whole you know you know the whole drill, don't you? Well, I listen to you a lot. I love your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've you've learned well. Your case is worth sixteen months. At least 15 months, probably 16 months. If you're got good evidence that the reason they fired you, if they fire you, is because you're 65, 66, because of your age, then the court will give you more and arguably could even order them to take you back to work. Now, just understand this. You may say, I don't want to go back to a place that doesn't want me. The reality is this. If there's a court order returning you to work, along with whatever your back pay is at that point, then the company is genuinely going to give you even more money just not to go back. So that even exacerbates or increases the amount of money you'll end up with. So always ask for your job back in a situation like a human rights violation, such as this would be, that allows you to ask for your job back. Most situations of wrongful dismissal in non-union environments, you can't get your job back, but a human rights violation is one of those exceptions. So a simple wrongful dismissal, 16 months, at least 15, and if you have good evidence or if they don't have a better explanation than your age, in other words, if they ever use the word retirement, you're golden, because that, of course, means it's about age, then you'll get more money and even the prospect of getting your job back. David, great call. Thank you very much. And a good reminder, Howard, to people, the podcast for the show available on the News Talk 1010 website at Newstalk1010.com. And uh, you can always go back and listen through and find answers to questions. But we also do want you giving us a call here at 877-518-5151, locally 416-872-1010. You're listening to Employment Law on the Bell Talk Radio Network. If you'd like to reach Howard at his office, by the way, his office number 416 416- Five nine four thirty nine hundred four one six five nine four thirty nine hundred, or you can get all the contact information at his website two t's levitt llp dot com. Easiest way though, phone us now. A couple of lines open at eight seven seven five one eight fifty one fifty one, or locally four one six eight seven two ten ten. Canada's leading authority in employment law, Howard Levitt, is on. The Bell Talk Radio Network. If you are trying to call the show and get a busy signal, you got to keep trying. Lines are jammed, but not only do people hang up, but we, as we go through callers, lines open up. So don't give up. Try calling 416-872-1010 across the province, 877-518-5151. I'm Ian Grant, joined by internationally recognized leader in the area of employment law and wrongful dismissal, Howard Levitt, taking your calls this afternoon. And Howard, just before um, just before the break, uh, we were talking about the podcast being available at Newstalk1010.com, where people can Download it, listen in. Uh, you know, it's, it's fair to say, though, that specific, one thing we've learned on this show, specific questions have very, very specific answers. So if people want the best advice, phone, call, and, and talk to you directly. Well, no people are the same, and no fact situation is the same. There's always a little bit of a difference or some other angle that might apply in one case, but not in another case. There might be a different angle. 416-872-1010-877-518-5151. Sandy is in Oakville this afternoon. Hello, Sandy. Oh, hi. Um, I just have a little quick question. Um, I was given a, a letter indicating there was no cause, but um, 
I got a settlement, an agreed settlement between the company and myself. And part of that settlement was I was not to say anything about the company, and the company will not say anything about me. However, they have. And it happened um, after I left the company, I got into a car accident where a woman ran across a red light and totaled my car. So now they're doing the discovery. And during the discovery, the, the lawyer from the other side questioned me about things at the company. And some of it, I had no idea about it. Um, so I'm wondering, are they allowed to do that? I, are they allowed to give information to another lawyer about myself? Well, I don't know anything about your case. First of all, you say they agreed you wouldn't say anything about the other. Maybe you simply said they simply agreed that you wouldn't say anything disparaging or bad or negative about the other. And maybe what correct. they said wasn't negative. So I'd have to see the agreement to it's see if correct. it was breached. Secondly, there may have been a court order requiring your former employer to turn over the personnel file. Because okay. traditionally, in a motor vehicle accident case, such as you're obviously involved in, there's court will make orders requiring personnel files to be sent over to show, well, perhaps what your lost income was. So yeah. I don't know about that. And, of course, if there, a court order will always supersede a severance settlement. Hmm. But let's assume there's no court order. And let's assume that the settlement did cover they're not saying anything at all and they breached that. Well, there's again, there's two potential approaches. One is you could sue for your damages if there are any damages flowing from that, which there probably are not, but I don't know enough about the circumstance of your situation. The secondly is the question of whether it allows you to overturn the whole severance settlement and go back for more. But that assumes you didn't get enough the first time. Because if you got enough the first time, there's really nothing more to sue for. Most people don't get enough in their severance settlement, so probably you didn't get enough the first time. But again, what are your damages as a result of their doing that? What? And when I say damages in, in legal terms, damages mean actual economic loss. There's a whole lot of questions there, and I'm only giving a very general guideline because I have to actually know about the circumstances of your case and read the agreement you signed and know exactly what they disclosed, and know what cost it had to you, if any, to really answer your question specifically. But that's, for you and any other listener, that's the general approach a court would take and the general parameters of the answer. Thank you, Sandy, for your call. Uh, Let's keep going through. Lines are very busy, but if you keep calling, you will get through 416-872-1010-877-518-5151. Brian is in Mississauga this afternoon. Hello, Brian. Hi, Howard. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? How can I help you? Not too bad. Not too bad. I guess uh, really briefly, uh, uh, very, very recently, to the point that I actually have the termination letter in front of me, um, I was uh, terminated after uh, about uh, 16, 17 years with a company. And uh, I have, uh, uh, you know, uh, sought out uh, a friend who actually is involved as professional um, in this dealing, sort of, uh, not a lawyer, but uh, and given some advice as to how to proceed. The package itself, okay, you know, for some... Well, let, me, let me ask you, before you tell me what the package is, yeah, you've been there 16 or 17 years, what was your job, how old are you, what yeah. were you earning? Well, I would, I would be class, I'm 63, okay? Good. 
and I guess my base salary would be. I don't care about base total comp. Total total comp. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we're looking at about uh, ninety about ninety thousand. Okay. Good. Your age. You're giving your age and your length of service. Uh, seventeen years. Sixteen. Seventeen. Yeah, you said that. Okay. And were you managerial anyway? I I was non-union. Okay. Uh, Managerial. Non-union. So I guess that would be lower middle management or whatever you want to call it. Did you supervise anybody? Uh, No longer directly. Nobody reported to me. Okay. It's probably a 16-month case. Okay. A generous judge would be 18. A parsimonious judge would be 15. It depends on the facts come out, but I would call it a 16-month case. What do they okay. offer you? 16 months of total comp. Oh, they, uh, no, which would be, they, they, which would be they, uh, about 120000 hmm? I'm sorry? I'm sorry? I'm, yeah, they offered me approximately, let's say, a year, okay, including oh. statutory, statutory and, uh, and uh, their additional. Yeah, statutory is just part of it. But a total of 12 months, your cases were 16 months. At 63, 16, 17 years of service, 90000 a year is simply insufficient. Yeah. That's what I would think, and I guess there is there is kind of a there's a couple elements. Okay, one is that as part of my employment over the course of time annually, we would sign a like well not only the confidentiality thing but a non compete clause. Mm-hmm. All right, that I wouldn't be allowed to go work for say a competitor, um, and in this in this offer between. There's a, a reemployment uh, clause for clawback of the additional, the additional severance that they're offering. That if I'm to find employment, you get fifty percent of the balance. Pardon me, fifty percent. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's relatively normal and um, not not unreasonable because a court will look at whatever you've actually lost. So fifty percent is generally in the employee's favor, not the employer's favor. So there's no issue with that. Okay. okay. But the the amount simply isn't enough. And especially if there's a non-competition clause, it's going to make it even harder you find work. That may influence the court to give you 18 months. And that's assuming, by the way, the non-competition clause is even enforceable. I would say the vast majority of non-competition clauses are unenforceable. And if you're not even genuinely manager with a bunch of reports and running a division of the company, then the chance of a non-competition clause prohibiting you from working in the industry, the prospect of it being enforceable is almost zero. So I would think, again, I'd have to see the clause, but the chance of it being enforceable is very, very low. Tell you what, Brian. probably don't have to worry about that, but you should have someone look at the clause yeah, if absolutely. you get a job offer in the same industry. Write down Howard's office number. It is 416-594-3900. 416-594-3900. All the contact information for Levitt LLP you can get at their website, levittllp.com. Calm and uh, how about a real quickie before we uh, before we go to a break? Um, Let's make a very quick. Point. Yeah, Rob it's in not Hamilton. Often the non-competition clauses are enforceable. Perfect. The law has changed in a lot of ways, and it's almost impossible to write an enforceable non-competition clause for anybody who doesn't basically run the company. We are going to take a break. When we come back, Rob in Hamilton, you're the first caller on deck. A couple of lines open, 416-872-1010. Toll free across the province of Ontario, 877-518-5151. He's Canada's authority on employment law and wrongful dismissal. Howard Levitt from Levitt LLP taking your calls this hour. This is Employment Law with Howard Levitt. On the Bell Talk Radio Network. Across Ontario this afternoon, you're listening to Howard Levitt 
on the Bell Talk Radio Network. He is internationally recognized as a leader in the area of employment law, wrongful dismissal, and taking your calls uh, live this afternoon, 877-518-5151, 877-518-5151, locally in Toronto, 416-872-1010. Robin Hamilton, thank you for waiting, and good afternoon. Welcome in. Thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon, Howard. Good afternoon, uh, Rob. I work as a financial advisor for the Wealth Management Division of one of the major Canadian banks. They are currently undergoing, as most of them are, uh, some downsizing and some consolidation. I am 59 and a half years old. I have one direct report, annual income, 200000 My question is, if they were to fire me, do uh, can they do that if I were on holiday? Yes. Okay. Do they have to serve uh, papers to me? Well, you can't be fired if you don't know about it, but they could always call you and tell you. It would be extraordinary for them to do that. I can't imagine the banks doing that. Although CIBC's had a pretty checkered past in, in terms of inappropriate ways of firing people, but generally, and, and, and they've been reported by the courts, I'm not saying anything out of school, but generally speaking, they're going to call you in. They're not going to do it by phone, or they're not going to do it when you're away on vacation. Although there was a CIBC case some years ago when someone was fired through trying to access their, their CIBC bank machine, and they got a note, call in to office, and they were oh, fired from the call wow. in. Bit of a funny case. went all the way to the Court of Appeal, and special damages were awarded against the bank for that. But in any event, bad punitive damages. But back to, to your situation, hopefully... The banks have all learned from that in related cases, and that won't happen. But could it theoretically happen? Sure. I'm only going to be uh, out of the country and unavailable by email or telephone for four days. So It's highly uh, unlikely it's going to happen while you're away. Okay, that's good. And and by the way, also... if they're going to fire you, that would be great if they did it that way, because that would get you additional damages. Okay, that would be, be kind of cool. And I have 22 years of service. Okay, so 22 years, $200,000. Do you say you were 59? I think you said you were 59. 59 and a half, yes. Well, it's getting pretty close to a 24-month case. I think you'd, be a, you'd be a, get 24 months. Okay, well, uh, now, if I were to get that, let's say they gave that to me on a Thursday, and it just so happens that Friday afternoon I get a new job with someone else, my understanding is that the settlements that they offer you they will only honor 50% and uh, because you're getting a job right away. That is a function, of course, of what the offer is. I can't speak for what your offer is going to be. If that is CIBC's general package, and I think it is, then that will be the package. The problem is if they have a sense that you're going to get a job right away, they're going to be less likely to hmm. offer you very much at all. In fact, they're going to be likely to sort of wait a little bit before formalizing their offer and see what happens. But you're right, and if you have a job right away at the same remuneration package, even getting 12 months is a good deal. Okay, but uh, but if they do, but they, they um, generally speaking in our industry, they present you with a paper and they say, this is what it is, sign it and you'll get the deal. Nobody ever signs, but they still go out and get another job, and uh, then they settle for usually about 50 cents on the dollar, I think. 
Well, no, I understand how it generally works. I'm just saying that if you do get another job immediately, your bargaining power is dramatically reduced. So I'd be inclined, if you have that type of opportunity, in other words, you have an offer that's nascent and waiting to be taken, I'd sign the second I get it. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. Because thank you for your call. If you have a job, you may find that offer quickly disappear or not exist at all, or have it withdrawn before you've had a chance to accept it. Howard, is it based on honesty? If I mean, do you have to uh, say to your employer I, at some point in the term, I got another job, but here's 50% Oh, you mean if, you have, if you've accepted an offer and it's a function of uh, telling them when yeah. you get another job? Yes. yes. It's, well, if you don't and you keep accepting money on a false pretense, you've ex- committed something that's pretty close to fraudulent. Absolutely. I oh, no, I understand that. I'm just wondering if, you know, and, and Revenue Canada reports to them or if it's no, just Revenue based Canada on... No, Revenue report to them. Look, if people can get away with not telling them, but if they ever find yeah. out, you're going to have a lawsuit against you. There you go. And it's an, a lawsuit based on honesty. Honesty, absolutely. It's not the kind of lawsuit you want in the public record. <laughs> so I would be very forthcoming once you've accepted the offer and have the other job. And I would never lie to get an offer either because that would be an offer that could be easily set aside. Yeah, and you'd have both lawyers. It would be set aside by the courts. Both employers are kind of looking at you then. Well, sure. People have to understand their behavior in one court case is going to become known by any future employer. I have a case right now. I'm fighting for an employer. I'm in the middle of it in Calgary. I was there last week on this case. And the employee is taking positions that are so outrageous that I am confident that this decision, which will be a public decision, as all decisions are, will seal his fate for any future reemployability. Wow. People have to understand that. People understand suing your employer. That's fair game. Everybody does it. Lots of people do it. There's no harm in that, and there's no bad reputation in that if the employer treated you in a way that or doesn't offer you enough and therefore should be sued, and you're successful in that suit. But if you act in a way or reveal things, they're going to ruin your reputation because, for example, you have a crime of moral turpitude or honesty, then you're going to have real difficulty in the future. Yeah, and I, th- I believe you brought it up last week, too, which was, you know, the tip was basically, why make things harder for yourself? Don't back the employee employer into a position where they can't um, meet you halfway because you've, you've just made such a scene. Well, that's what happened uh, in, in that case. I talked about the case I'm doing for another employer in B.C., where the employer was prepared to offer the employee severance, did offer the employee severance. The employee um, rejected, thinking they were going to get a lot more, even though it was a generous offer. They then went to the press making nasty allegations against the employer, and then we couldn't pay them anymore. Mm-hmm. Because we, Then my advice was, well, look, if you pay them, it justifies their allegations. It looks like you paid them off as a result of the allegations. Now you can offer them nothing. So I lost the $80,000 they originally offered. Now they're offered nothing. We finally went to an arbitration board uh, a week and a half ago in Vancouver, and I am confident I've won. I'm confident the employee will now get zero because they did something stupid. $80,000 mistake. They put the employee, they put the, from somebody making no more than that, they put the employer into a position where the employer could not be seen to offer the money. Philip, not the same as this case, but it's an interesting lesson for everyone. Act in a way that you don't mind being found on the front page of the National Post. It's a great There's tip. nothing you've done that's embarrassing. Well done. Philip in Honey Harbor, let's get to your call. Good afternoon. Welcome in. How are you today? Hi, Philip. How are you doing I, on this great Thanksgiving weekend? 
I'm actually watching a lot of my customers go home, and I won't see them until next spring. Huh. Oh, I guess that's Teddy <laughs> Harbor for you, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> um, my wife and I own a small marina, and we have a problem with one employee who we hired this year. Now, we're seasonal employers, and it was my understanding at the end of the year, when I lay somebody off, I don't have to rehire them next year. It depends on your deal. If they're an employee hired permanently subject to seasonal layoffs, then there's an expectation you have to hire them next year. If you hire them just for one season, obviously there's no expectation they'll be hired again. But if year after year, even if you hire them for one season, but year after year after year they come back, the court is going to come in and say, this isn't really a one-time hire. This is a permanent hire subject to seasonal layoffs, in which case when you, at the end of that year when you let them go and don't bring them back, they can sue for wrongful dismissal. So you should be, well, you should be protecting yourself by having them sign contracts, and that would give you the best protection of all. And you certainly should make it clear with witnesses if there's not going to be a contract, this is just for that one year, and every year, again, is just for this one year. There's no guarantee as for next year. Yeah, well, sometimes I'm too nice of a guy. But like <laughs> well, I said, that's I the problem with guy. everybody. You're too nice and end up have, dealing with someone who isn't quite so nice and takes advantage, or you're too nice and therefore you say nice, sweet things that people hear the way they want to hear it, and without any duplicity on their part, think they've got a deal that you didn't intend to make, but you didn't really say otherwise very clearly, and then it's your own mm. fault, I'm afraid to say. Philip, I'm up against the clock, but I'll tell you what, write down Howard's office number, and if you are going to do the legal thing, uh, don't do as some other callers have done and go to the uh, internet for your contract wording. Give him a call. His office number is 416-594-3900, or uh, you can get all his contact information at his website, levittllp.com, and I really do want to get to John really quickly. John, good afternoon. Welcome in. Good afternoon. Uh, quick question. How can I help you, John? Yes. Um, thanks for taking my call. Uh, my question has to do with the annual reviews. Um, after the boss calls you in and uh, he gives you a little speech and then he puts a paper in front of you and asks you to sign it, um, are you compelled to sign it? No, you're not compelled to sign anything. Okay. But what? you've still received it, so I'm not sure that not signing it's going to get you very far. What I would be inclined to do if I were you, my best advice is to sign it but write down your response. Hmm. So that's on the record, too. Great advice. Howard, I'm out of time. This was a great oh, show. We are fast. done. Yeah, I, I, we got a, a full board of calls. Oh, well. yes. Call early. Next next week, 1 o'clock. Uh, if you call, call at 1 o'clock uh, as soon as you hear the news start for what that's worth, and we'll get you on air as quickly as possible. Howard Levitt, thank you, and have a great uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. See you next Monday. Take Sunday. care. Thank you. This has been Employment Law on the Bell Talk Radio Network. Uh, to get in touch with Howard, all his contact information on his website, 2TsLevittLLP.com. You're listening to Employment Law with host Howard Levitt on the Bell Talk Radio Network.